Welcome to Nova Morganum, a podcast series from Uppsala University, produced live by researchers with an interest in interdisciplinary action and novel methods. In this podcast, you will meet guests who work in very diverse ways with academic knowledge production and often with expertise in its usefulness. From blue sky research to applied science, academic entrepreneurship or policy development. Today is our fifth episode with Daria Isaksson, former entrepreneur who currently leads Sweden's innovation agency, Vinova, as director general. During her leadership, Vinova has developed new methods to better align strategic innovation programs with Sweden's overall goal to reach carbon neutrality before 2045. The question is what these methods consist in and what the limits are to Vinova's ambition to transform entire systems and thereby speed up change. Welcome, Daria. It's great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yes, and I would like to clarify that we meet over uh, an online tool, so uh, I can see you and the sound uh, sounds good as well, but it is, it's a pity we can't meet due to the COVID situation still in Sweden. Um, I'm uh, curious about... I, uh, yeah. Yeah, and I could add on the situation that I'm working from home, so my kids just got back from school, so there might be some background, background noise from the family. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, how many are they? Two. Yeah, good. Um, I'm a bit curious about your background uh, before you started to work for Vinova. So uh, you have once been a successful entrepreneur, and uh, what what was it that you did as an entrepreneur and why did you change career path to serve the state instead? Well, I mean, it's uh, the short answer uh, would be that I always wanted to work on things that I felt were both interesting, challenging and relevant. Um, the reason why I started first company in the first place was that uh, me and, and my co-founders were convinced that there was uh, change needed at a big level. So that, that was kind of uh, a driving force from the beginning. And also I've kind of always wanted to be of value somehow. So what, contributing to a, uh, through a company or, or by working for the state. For me, it's just slightly different ways uh, of trying to contribute. So, and I also think, and I'd like to highlight that the difference between working for the state and the private sector isn't the big thing in itself, really. Uh, differences vary a lot between different organizations, size, culture, mandate, uh, etc. So that mm. it's not such a big step from, from my perspective. Okay. And so, so the company that you did start and where you wanted to contribute to change, uh, what type of change was, was that then? Well, if I would then say a bit of a longer story, I'm an engineer by training, but how I was raised uh, by a father who worked with uh, with uh, research and innovation in the telecom sector. Uh, that means that I was raised in a kind of a 90s uh, makerspace, um, allowing me to experiment with electronics and computers from an early age, uh, while being maybe having slightly different interests actually at heart. So the combination of using technology for creating experiences that had value was kind of 
a, a passion of mine from let's say 12 13 um so that that was the beginning and then in my companies i worked in the space of digital and product innovation in various industries where drawing on new knowledge was always key uh to have quality work as well as working with best practice in innovation management but what during the decade or so that i was doing this various systems perspectives became both more and more obvious and more and more important to me so for instance um it was quite visible how the ability of regulatory frameworks uh, they could hinder or drive the innovations that we could see would have a societal impact in various ways it was clear that the ability of the public sector to work together with academia and the private sector in innovation work was very important and in some ways underdeveloped. Um, somewhere good, somewhere underdeveloped. And then, you know, it also became clear, and I have to admit, for a long time, I was what you would call a tech optimist, <laughs> um, but still understanding that you have to come from, you know, an, a deep understanding of needs, of context. Um, processes drawing on design disciplines in research were always kind of at the core of, of how me and my companies were working. So in that sense, I over time simply shifted my focus and I engaged more in these uh, questions. I'll also admit uh, on the pod that a shift in focus at a crucial point in time was also driven a bit of uh, a private life crisis in terms of uh, health and well-being of people really close to me. So I, you know, uh -huh. I got that kick. That you sometimes get mm. when you just have to make up your mind. Yeah. Um, anyhow, so shifting this focus, at one point I simply changed gear uh, and I decided to work on these more systems perspectives and I engaged myself in boards of research institutes as well as research programs mm. uh, and somewhere along that line um, I was honored to be invited by the Prime Minister to be part of his Innovation Council uh, from 2015 to 2018 and another member of that was Johan Rockström. Uh, and uh, that also had, um, going in there, I made the analysis that everybody else pretty much in the room had a formal mandate. We're leading a company or had research teams or were leading universities or similar. And I was a person with very little formal mandate. Uh, okay. What I did have, however, what I did have, however, was time. I could absolutely choose how I spent my time, uh, freedom. So I, I was working a lot at that time, uh, taking in uh, knowledge from researchers, uh, from uh, different types of stakeholders, doing my best to kind of come up with concrete suggestions. And then when that was over, uh, it meant sense to me, it made sense to me to think about what to do next. Mm. And uh, at that time, there was a job post uh, public published okay. <laughs> with this job which i came across somewhat by accident and okay. uh, thought that i would recommend others to apply and then ended up applying myself so aha uh -huh, yes because i was a bit curious about this shift still that you say that oh it's not a big deal to go from the private to the public and you know it's actually not everyone who thinks like that so i, I wondered you know where you had hunted in some way but you found this advertisement oh. and then you applied but you had also kind of that you say some private aspects that pushed you in this direction and then you were included in in this uh, expert committee uh, that inspired you to think more about systems that was it or 
Yeah, well, the systems perspective were growing before. So I think mm. rather that the reason I was invited was that I had already begun working with those mm. uh, questions. So um, the systems perspective became kind of important to me earlier. Um, here comes yeah. the bling then. Yeah. No, uh, no, I was not headhunted. Uh, in fact, and I can tell you the story, I was sitting at the dinner uh, with uh, the minister who is responsible for Vinova, and I knew that there was no director general. And what do you small talk about at the dinner like that? So I was more just curious about the process mm. and, uh, and then felt so ashamed when I had got the question that I could not re recommend three perfect names because okay. I actually got that. Would, would you recommend someone? So the reason I read the ad was to figure out who to recommend. Okay. Uh, yeah. And I ended up recommending a few, but I also applied myself, mm. which yeah. was... Well, lucky for Vinova. So um, still, is there something special that you brought with you from having worked uh, as an entrepreneur and with a company in a very hands-on way, I think, uh, to Vinova, which has like 200 public servants, I think, and whom are all uh, experts uh, within different areas related to innovation systems or even maybe on specific uh, technologies and their development. I don't know exactly. Um you know, because it, it still seems to be quite different work tasks uh, that you would have to pursue and there was this transition. But what methods do you think you have brought with you from the private uh, work? Yeah, well, in the private sector, well, first of all, since I was uh, CEO for a long time, so uh, there's certain aspects of leadership that you always have when you're leading teams and organizations. Um, from there's also like I had been working with uh, innovation management methodology there's a lot of that Vinova is a very diverse organization in terms of background uh, so there are many experts in their fields uh, but those fields are also um, if you look at it it's a very uh, um, it's a broad range of disciplines that are represented at Vinova and there's also a mix of people with a background in academia and industry uh, and that suits me quite well because I was typically working in organizations with uh, a, a wide mix of competencies. Mm. Um, so one of the things, if I'll just give you one example, I mean, I didn't, is the value of drawing on, for instance, the design disciplines knowledge and mm -hmm. in making, encouraging and actually making uh, interdisciplinary work work. Mm -hmm. uh, was that that I took quite hands-on experiences and I know that that's crucial so that would be one aspect of course so I guess leadership and yeah. and seeing the value of going on design disciplines and making other disciplines work well together would be two examples so as CEO of a private company what was your lead type of leadership that you deployed <laughs> <laughs> Well, let me put it this way. I've always appreciated working with experts. Uh, I expect I hire people who I expect to both know more than me and I give them a lot of uh, mandate and trust and uh, then I try to support them. So the best thing, the best thing is having people who, who are very capable and I'm happy that Vinova is one of those organizations. So you have been able to uh, refine your former leadership skills and just continue to work as the type of leader you once were 
Well, obviously, I'm also learning as I go in many ways. So life is a, life is a learning journey for mm. sure. Um, so uh, apparently, well, I had worked also with research institutes, uh, many industrial companies, uh, as well as the public sector. So um, as well as uh, researchers. So I would say that from that perspective, um, that was helpful coming into this role. Uh, and at the same time, of course, there are uh, things in relation to how uh, Swedish government works and, and what the government agencies mandate are that are on one hand, um, you can grasp them, but on the other hand, it's also um, qualities in, in, the in the job that, of course, I learn mm. as well. And you mentioned this, that you work with many different types of experts and that demands then some sort of interdisciplinary skill within you. How, um, how have you developed that one then to understand these different areas and maybe bring them together in a room, for example? Um, just so that I got your question... I'm not sure I understood the question completely, but um, let me put it this way. I've found it always a few things that are always helpful um, when you're working with uh, a wide set of uh, different types of expertise. Obviously, set a culture of a lot of mutual respect and curiosity for different perspectives. Um, be aware that important concepts and words differ a lot, uh, and find and you know explore ways of of gaining uh, both an understanding and maybe identifying the ones where you know sometimes you have the most crucial concepts are similar but use different words, and sometimes it's the other way around. The important words mean completely different things. Um, so these are all, I think, anybody who have worked with different disciplines, and I mean most people do experience this so there comes you know the value of of thoughtful process um in any and that's where design disciplines have a lot to uh, offer as well mm. so uh, these are definitely things that i see uh, yeah is valuable yeah interesting that you mentioned this with the use of concepts and and so on because here uh, at Uppsala university of course across the various disciplines uh, the students are trained in this uh, to a different depth in in different disciplines one could say so so we often have discussions in this engineering departments on how we can teach the students a bit more about the language use that you mentioned is quite crucial to understand if you then want to translate between these different disciplines when you work work with the experts okay yeah. and those yes you can add something <laughs> Yeah, no, but I mean, and that's also a competence in itself. There are people that train in that who might not have, you know, the same kind of uh, disciplinary depth, but they, it's valuable and important. Yeah. Historically focused on stimulating commercialization of research for the so-called entrepreneurial university and entrepreneurial society, Innova's priority areas are now directed towards system innovation with an ambition to transform entire systems to reach the so-called sustainable society. But what is the actual difference between the old and new Vinova? 
Um, so, uh, well, a reflection on that. Um, let's, let me just begin by saying that formally, you know, it's an organization that the government has tasked with, and I quote now, funding needs-driven research and innovation and develop effective innovation systems. That has been true uh, always, and that is still true now. But then obviously an innovation system changes over time. So I'd say that it's the difference in Vinova, you know, over time has not only to do with the Vinova, but the evolving of knowledge as well as an evolving innovation system. And it's that understanding uh, that leads to changes uh, also at Vinova. Now, um, yes, you put it into words in a, the understanding of why and what do we need an innovation system for is also changing. So if you look back at the kind of um, thinking that made governments already after World War I start this type of government funding had to do with, uh, well, you can describe it in more words, but basically uh, address market failures. So fund uh, research and fund experiments that the private sector would otherwise not invest enough in. So that was uh, the first paradigm. Then we had researchers, uh, Charles Edqvist and others in Sweden who were quite, and the world of course, who were quite um, successful in showing that there is such a thing as an innovation system as well, that it's not only about the experimentation and the research, it's also about the quality of the networks that has a big impact on, on knowledge diffusion, on technology spillover, et cetera. And that uh, thinking really helped shape uh, government agencies such as Vinova and, and our task. And now if we look at the kind of third generation of innovation policy, uh, drawing on different uh, types of research, looking into, you know, so we need to transform into, you said, so-called sustainable society. I would draw on Kate Walworth there in the donut model. <laughs> so we need a, a system that operates well within planetary borders, and we need to transform in there in a socially sustainable way, just to summarize it very bluntly. Uh, with that as a guiding star, then, you know, the question of this will require system innovation, innovation at the scale that changes the entire socio-technical system. So there is knowledge about this has happened before. There's this example of going from a horse and carriage to cars uh, or the first industrial revolution. And so what does that entail? So this is what shapes the thinking now. And also what when Vinova, where we are developing our work practices. So then we know it's not enough to provide, to, it's not enough for government to have a fixing market pro problems <laughs> approach. It's not enough for the innovation system to just be a supplier of innovations. If we then mean innovation as in a radically improved technology, product, business model, way of working, it's not only about technology, but the supply side is not enough. We do see um, that we need directionality in we need innovations that actually help solve societal challenges. So we can talk more about that. We do see that we need uh, demand to stimulate the solutions we need. And there, you know, public sector procurement, uh, clear goals set by governments, timeline, a lot of things are needed to, you know, stimulate that. And we need this um, 
We also see that regulatory systems need to be more reflexive, more capable of adapting to promote the solutions that work that we don't necessarily even know right now. So there are many qualities that we now need in an effective innovation system, if it's supposed to help drive the necessary transformation that we need to develop right now. So coming back to Vinova, uh, what we are doing now is to take these kind of principles of, you know, it's still true, all the other things and market failures and network effects, et cetera. But given this, what does that require of new ways of working mm. together? And that's what guide us. And, and there are a few, if now I've used many, many words, but I would say um, uh, help formulate much, much more ambitious uh, clear goals. Okay. Mariana Matsukato mm -hmm. called a mission. Uh, and that's also what the Horizon Europe framework is now using, you know, clearly defined goals for societal outcome that, mm -hmm. that enable different actors to contribute in that direction without, you know, it being a top-down effort because mm -hmm. that would never work anyway. Uh, another thing is to build in mechanisms for, for instance, this um, regulatory response work. There are tools such as uh, regulatory sandboxes being applied uh, as an expert agency we help the government see them understand them uh, and we we push for that type of work um, we need to have a portfolio uh, when we think we cannot simply look at you know funding interesting research and innovation projects in various areas we also need to make sure that we have a portfolio with the directionality that address both as I said, supply and demand sides that is capable of addressing both innovations from a technology business perspective and uh, innovations that impact behavior. Mm. So, so do you create... These are, these are all examples of what impacts how we actually mm. work. Mm. So this portfolio that you talk about... Um, because I'm thinking as a researcher who sometimes look into the calls for funding at Vinova's um, website. Uh, so is that how you work? Uh, when you, you think about the portfolio, what do we want? And then you create different calls so you can fill the portfolio. Or do you have calls uh, within specific areas that are predetermined in for some other reason, like according to disciplines, for example? And then you look at the proposals that come and, and fill up portfolio or how do you how do you build this uh, portfolio then was just so that that was one of my so when I started at Vinova I had uh, the first question I asked was how connected are we to the front line of research in terms of what it takes for innovation to drive this necessary transformation uh, and that was a good question because I got good answers uh, and then making sure that those connections have impact on decisions that we make so we for instance uh, well so that was the first important question and I apologize for this I thought I had turned this off um, the other question so as any research funder we have open calls as any research funder we have external uh experts that rate uh and give us you know a, a good uh a good um basis for our decisions uh and as any uh, funder we run programs of various sorts the interesting question to me coming from the outside was where's the process that designs and decides what program what budget priority 
Um, and um, I would say that that's where we are in the middle of right now, like developing uh, more systematic tools that can be as transparent as possible in that work. Because even if we, as any funder, <laughs> you know, we don't tell researchers what to do and we don't tell companies what to do. Uh, we open up for applications, but every, every call is still a judgment call. Mm. That's what I used to say. And from that perspective, it's important that we are also systematic method, use methods mm. uh, in that work. So that's what we are building capacity in now. Yeah. And, um, and also, how does it work when you get the funds uh, to work with, so from the government, so to say, uh, because is it like some... Who decides which area will get more funds then? I mean, is it you, Vinova, who will have that expertise or is it politically decided before it trickles down to you? Uh, both. Mm. Both. So, uh, yes, we do get uh, tasks from government in terms of specific programs or specific areas to prioritize. Uh, we also have in our... Um, uh, well, in our instruction, <laughs> mm. uh, also provides direction. Uh, but then, of course, I mean, uh, we have uh, not least together with other funding uh, agencies, uh, we do work to the research and innovation propositions, mm. uh, where we draw on a lot of um, data and uh, to see, okay, what should the priorities be onward? So mm. the answer is uh, yes and <laughs> to your question. Yeah. And um, uh, everyone who's helping you uh, there, your colleagues, and who maybe have worked uh, at Vinova during these different shifts that you uh, explained, um, do they see that you're now in this transformation that you describe? Uh, or, you know, is it, is it coming organically? Or is it something you have to force a lot to change Vinova into this, uh, having this new way of working and new agenda? Well, I think uh, my job is quite pleasant because Vinova is an organization that is filled with people who have a passion for innovation. And that does mean that there is a very, very strong commitment among uh, my colleague in terms of, uh, you know, doing our very best in opening up opportunities for the innovations that can make a difference. Um, and that can make a difference not only in the old paradigm of competitiveness, but really understanding that you know the only competitiveness that is even relevant in the future uh, is the competitiveness that comes from providing solutions to urgent societal challenges. And I, I feel a lot of support both inside and outside Vinova for that. It's not mm. uh, something I came set but something that we build together hmm. uh, and then when it comes to you know changing ways of working uh, I, I'm also one of the person who finds you know changing habits and learning new things it's uh, stimulating it's rewarding but it's also sometimes frustrating so that's just a natural hmm. you know in any kind of uh, innovation process but um, and uh, you know working in new ways always requires uh, an effort but I'm really really proud and impressed that we managed to have that kind of focus in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but this isn't, um, but also again, I mean, it comes down to the fact that we are part of the system as well. Mm. And uh, if you look into 
I don't know what your perception is, but my perception is that just the past three years, a lot of dialogues related to the need for transformation, a lot of the discussion in relation to how to do it stuff has become both more urgent, still not mm -hmm. enough. Uh, we are continuously evolving in our understanding of, mm. of what we need to change. But I think that there's a broad consensus that we do need to step up, not only yeah. a sense of urgency and effort, but also how we work. Mm. So in that sense, we are that yeah i want to pick up on something you said here uh just in passing kind of you mentioned that yeah it doesn't work with top down uh steering uh like um, and uh, but that has been a discussion within the, the climate change emergency discourse like if we had more top down decisions uh we would also have more solutions quicker and it seems as if uh, you uh, um, talk here about funding projects that uh, solve uh, societal challenges yes but who are those challenges then also defined or do you let research create uh, their own um, foundation for what the problem actually is to address um, so, because that is also like, it seems quite top down still if you point out that these are the challenges and how can you solve them? Or is there more blue sky research allowed within your uh, programs? That was many questions in one. I'll, I'll, mm. I'll try to, we'll see if we can. Um, well, maybe you'll get annoyed with me now, but I'm a very much of a yes and person. <laughs> so, um, when we are talking about what it will take to accelerate the transformation, there is a, a top-down perspective to that. For instance, um, the value of governments setting clear and ambitious goals um, or the, that help drive investment. So if you would listen to you know, leading multinationals saying we can make a big difference here, they also talk about how important, for instance, price on carbon is to drive investments, that type of thing. So there are definitely um, top-down perspectives. Another thing would be in the thinking that says, okay, top-down in terms of providing directionality, let's go here. That's why the EU Commission have initiated missions in the new framework program. It's not the only thing that they do. It's part of what they do. They also have other instruments for uh, blue sky research, for instance. So. Um, and also what we do know about uh, the innovations that we need uh, is that it's going to require a lot of experimentation and that experimentation needs to be uh, very much bottom up. So we need all of that. We need top down in terms of goals. We need top down in terms of uh, common missions or ambitious goals to, to kind of orient ourselves around. And then we need bottom up action in exploring various ways. And then coming back to your blue sky question, uh, that's where, you know, um, blue sky research is super important. Uh, the pursuit of knowledge is and has always been a foundation that drives, you know, humanity onward. Uh, I think our generation, if any, should be super grateful to be able to stand on the shoulder of giants to create new things based on the combination of knowledge and innovation and imagination. But Vinova is not uh, the research council. Uh, our mandate, um, so we are very, very aware of the importance and value uh, of that type of research, and we support it in, uh, you know, 
when we talk to government, we are also in close contact with and very engaged in providing opportunities that support blue sky research, for instance, through our work to support researchers in regard to the European programs, as well as support for advanced research infrastructure. But we are not the Swedish Research Council in Sweden, that is more their task. While we work with them as well as others, we strive to be complementary to that. Mm. Uh, and as I said, our instruction is to uh, uh, fund needs-driven research and innovation and provide opportunities for, me, for many in that. Yeah. But then again, look at the how we do that. So I'll give you mm. one example. We have for a long time had a, um, the UDI, uh, Challenge-Driven Innovation Program, which does not prescribe what challenge. It mm. just says, come in with applications <laughs> yep. uh, where you show us a relevant societal challenge uh, and uh, potentially big impact uh, way of addressing it. And uh, so, so we support that as well. Daria has emphasized that innovation now is an existential question related to purposefulness, making a difference and accomplishing a truly sustainable society. But it is still a long way to go and uncertainties prevail with difficulties to know what will be sustainable and not in the future. To speed up change can for example be problematic in relation to unsustainable economic forces. So um, have you had to develop any new methods for assessment of all these projects then that are to respond to the challenges that you think you have quite clear <laughs> in front of you. Um, and, you know, uh, this with securing somehow that it will lead to responses that fulfill these goals. Um, you know, how are there any new methods then? Yeah, I mean, if I come back to, first of all, just why I stress that it's an existential question is simply because the deadlines are set by the planet and we can't negotiate with it. <laughs> so we have to adapt and I think we're all quite aware. Uh, coming to assessment of projects, well, first of all, assessment is tricky in many ways, uh, especially if the task is to stimulate experimentation and risk taking, which by definition will often fail. So I just need to stress that. Mm, mm. If it would be possible to assess um, ex ante before then and no, uh, then we wouldn't be needed. Mm. Uh, then, there would be, uh, then there would be other money yeah. in the private sector for it. Because so that's my, one thing. Yeah. Then, then mm. At the same time, so, and then of course, uh, we have always assessed potential impact in projects. So on the project level, uh, we were uh, very early in, in asking for, you know, what kind of SDGs are you uh, working for? We had instruments, as I said, with challenge-driven uh, innovation, which is just one of many examples. Um, and then developing that further, I would say that, yes, we fund also research and innovation in that. There are many tools out there now to help the actors themselves assess their own potential impact. So that's part mm -hmm. But we're also working, as I mentioned, on our uh, on the portfolio level uh, in terms of thinking through: Are we addressing mm. both supply and demand? Are mm. we uh, making sure that there's technology and the business models are being addressed? Are we, you know, relevant yeah. in in creating directionality? Mm. Are we doing the best we can to help 
um, the other perspectives in terms of regulatory perspectives and such. Yeah. I mean, so we know mm, are examples of, of... Yeah, I, I understand. I mean, this is, as you start with the answer on this question, that uh, you are... Uh, funding research and you never know how research will end but a lot of my colleagues mm. they they complain a little bit when they write applications like yes these funding bodies they want to know what we are to find <laughs> and uh, mm. we have to kind of uh, create a contribution before we've done the research and this contribution needs to um, promise a solution to this exact societal challenge for example and I guess there's also this balance if you would evaluate your portfolios and you would see oh yes we funded a lot of research and none of them actually ended up responding to these challenges that they were meant to respond to there will be you would there would be a problem huh so I just wonder isn't there some sort of balance still in the assessment uh, because you do want to secure that the projects will uh, <laughs> will lead to this yeah, well, response and, and more importantly in order to to make a fair and that's also uh, we're legally required you know to make a, mm. a fair uh, judgment of who actually gets funded or not there has to be a basis for that uh, decision and so mm. uh, our uh, external ep- experts looking at the applications <laughs> they yeah. need to be able to have indications of what kind of impact could this have and and what's the idea for that so mm. obviously uh, obviously uh, yes uh, that's important while mm. understanding but then I also want to say when it comes then to um, assessment afterwards and evaluation mm. well uh, we continuously evaluate both our programs. Uh, we follow up on projects. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Um, so we continuously uh, have uh, outside experts evaluate our programs and our efforts, and we use that as a basis for learning mm. for ourselves and for the system. Uh, so I would say that, um, of course, uh, there are quite often, if you look at the program, not just just a, there, on the project, there's also always lessons to be learned. Mm. Um, but even more on the you know program or portfolio level, that's where we have the most important learn learnings uh, mm. because that helps us further. But it's also valuable for us to do that together with mm. the ones who are engaged in this work. So that's why we have conferences yeah. uh, looking at these evaluations together, mm. and that's how we learn learning the next step yeah and um i know you and me we have talked before about if you also compare yourself uh, to the um, other nordic innovation agencies like the danish and finnish and uh, um, norways and and so on um and do you think there so do you have um sister organizations from which you can learn Yes, of course. So um, we have a lot of uh, contact with uh, sister agencies in the world in various ways, both bilaterally. Um, uh, some we even have formalized uh, collaborations with, uh, but also uh, in different settings. For instance, in the OECD, there is a lot of structured uh, learning around innovation policy and best practices. If we look at the different specific organizations, there are often, you know, flavor differences and sometimes big differences in terms of mandate Mm. um so we're we are different but one thing that i'm uh, very aware of and uh and happy about is that 
as I mentioned, when I said, when I asked my question, how, my, how connected are we to the front line? What I now know is that in this work at the OECD level, without their leading innovation countries, um, many uh, are inspired by work that we do in Sweden. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, we learn from them. So this is continuous dialogue. So I would say every major effort that we do yeah. uh, is inspired by lessons learned mm-hmm. in, you know, could mm-hmm. be Israel or... Yeah. Uh, um, because when, or- when I look, uh, it comes across uh, as if most of your programs relate to sustainability. So they are called something with sus- sustainability, but you also have programs or calls for uh, <laughs> funding where you want NGOs and communities to engage with you um, and mm-hmm. so on. So I think that is a difference if you compare to many other innovation agencies. Uh, do you do you think that there is this rhetoric of sustainability that might be used um, in some cases, but that Vinova is trying to integrate sustainability more deeply somehow in the... Well, I hope we're not the only one. I mean, yes, we've been working with, we have uh, focused on both public sector uh, and the public sector role in innovation to tackle challenges for a long time, at least since 2012, I think. Uh, Looking at civil society and their uh, role, both through, as I mentioned, you know, open programs like Challenge Driven Innovation, we've seen a lot of that, but we've already also had, and actually we're tasked by government also to work specifically with it, building capabilities, building, you know, a lot of lessons learned. What we do know now, uh, and are very, um, and are working actively on that is the kind of mobilization we need now. And I could give you examples. We just have to look to the north. or we can look into the challenges related to health uh, or whatever, we will need uh, to strengthen the, the ability not only to work you know, transdisciplinary in mm. general, but really get stakeholder engagement across academia, industry, public sector, and civil society. It will be crucial both to you know, bring people in and, and get the solutions that really uh, work. And I think the pandemic itself has been a great reminder <laughs> of many things. Uh, the value of long-term funding of research, without which we would never have been able to, to respond so quickly. Mm. Uh, the value of, of a lot of open collaboration cross-border in many ways, uh, without which we would not have the ability to turn this into practice. But also civil society importance. With There were many great examples of, of how necessary they were. So Yes, this is important. I'm, I don't think all funding agencies are perhaps there, but I don't th- think that we feel lonely in this space. Rather, many of the principles we are now discussing are the bearing principles uh, in any international context when we talk about this third generation innovation policy. Really. Yeah, yeah. And this third generation, for me, it sounds as if speed is very important, that there is a hurry to find these solutions, uh, just the use of the word climate emergency instead of climate crisis, uh, which we had previously, uh, talks about this need to accelerate the solutions. But um, in, I mean, there are also critical theories on speed <laughs> and how that drives uh, capitalism and uh, monetary flows and so on, which we know is uh, a bit... Um, difficult uh, to handle if we want to solve problems um, so um, uh, what is your reflection about that um, that you 
you do see that speed is necessary, but um, what might uh, be the drawbacks or so from that? Well, I mean, depending on time horizon and context, you could have really rich, we could have an hour just on that. <laughs> um, I see it in 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 various ways uh, in relation to speed. Um, one is, um, oh, where did I want to go with it? I would say that, um, yes, we're in a hurry. Yes, we will need to experiment. I think Viable Cities, the strategic innovation program, they're incorporating a lot of complexity theory in their work and systems theory in their work. So if you want to speed up change, you will you're going to have to have a portfolio of experiments and some of them will fail, but you have to improve the ability to learn from what works. Mm. Uh, and it's mm. not going to be as simple as then scaling it everywhere because context will always be different. But, you know, uh, improving the ability to learn faster, mm. to, to find the solutions, opportunities and learn. That's part of institutional capabilities that we all need to, I think, improve. Uh, we could also improve just for taking that from a, data-driven perspective to make it easier. So that's one thing in relation to mm. speed. Yeah. Another thing in relation to speed is that we have technologies that we already know are very important for you know, driving down uh, fossil emissions, for instance, that could and should scale even faster, where things that are in the way have to do with business models or have to do with uh, uh, other types of incentives for investments, and those need to be changed. But then when things move really fast, so for instance, looking at just how private capital is um, flowing to what you call impact, uh, impact companies, mm. immediately there's risk of you know, greenwashing and impact washing and all of that. So yeah, from our perspective, that's why we also find it important to, to fund you know, research and innovation in tools that can you know, help avoid that. And that's mm. really uh, something that is also asked for. So that's another aspect but i think the most important thing is just acknowledging these are really complex challenges there are complex problems we cannot perfect a plan to get us out of this we really need to get moving in the right direction mm. and adjust when we see that things are not working obviously with a lot of the critical uh, thinking and thoughtfulness built into the mechanisms immediately so if there's anything i would maybe say then to end up that kind of story is just this is one of the ex reasons why interdisciplinarity right now is so important mm. uh, why we need also disciplines with you know trained in ethical uh, perspectives and and critical thinking to be in the innovation mm. processes mm. Um, do you have experts like that already at vinova or do you need to to recruit new people <laughs> for this <laughs> Um, yeah, well, I mean, we have we have a lot of experts, but we're at the same time only 200 people and we are also an organization like any other. So we continuously need to make sure that, you know, we bring in both talent and new perspectives, but more importantly, the quality of how we work together with experts outside of, you know, our own walls uh, yeah. is, I think, the most important part. But yeah. uh, so, yes, yeah. and that as well yeah well thank you very much daria for joining and i will let you go to your family they it seems like someone is needing some help <laughs> over there with <laughs> some snack or uh -huh. something who knows um and um yes best of uh, 
wishes for your future uh, work with everything at Vinova and um, hope to see you again at some point. Well, thank you very much for inviting me and uh, yeah, thank you for a nice conversation. Cool.